Trader, Trade Trader, Cobb Crypto Podcast. This is the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. G'day everybody and welcome to the Trader Cub Crypto Show. It's Trader Cub here obviously and I just wanted to say a hello and um, just want to go through and sort of give you guys a bit of a run through as to how I've got to where I'm at really. Um, you know, I do a lot of talk about trading and, and everything like that and look, a lot of people I know that, you know, I get all the comments through, you know, through my, my social. So if you're not on Twitter and Facebook, get me on there, you know, Trader Cub, it's pretty straightforward. Um, I get heaps of emails, I get lots of people coming back to me and sort of saying thank you and asking for my story and also telling me a bit about their story and I realised to myself, you know what, I haven't actually given you my story which is quite interesting <laughs> considering, you know, I've been doing this for quite some time now. And the whole point of what I'm getting at is that, you know, I suppose, how do I put it? I suppose it's interesting to understand how somebody has taken the steps to get where they are. Now, I talked to you about my routines. I talked about my structures, my strategies. I talked to you about just about everything to do with trading. And I give lots of little lessons and tips and pointers and whatnot, but I, I very rarely talk about me and how I got there. And I think it's really important at this point, just because you guys have asked for it. And I want to take you through that and I want to give that to you. And um, I guess it could be used as motivation in, in, in a way, because I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, especially for young people, right? Well, actually, no, it's, it's for everybody, because it's not just young people that, that sort of have a, an inner conversation and struggle maybe with who they are and whether they're good enough or not. No, I, I definitely haven't ever had that sort of conversation too frequently. Uh, from a very young age, I kind of knew that I was something a bit different. I, I, I knew that I was going to have the ability to do what I wanted to do if I actually put my mind to it. And I think everyone's the same. But I think that, like, I think everyone's the same in the sense that if they put their mind to it, they can achieve great things. But I think a lot of us get held back by a number of things, whether it be the upbringing, our schooling. Uh, I don't know what it is, but, but a lot of us don't actually go out there and, I guess, do what it is that we believe is our calling. Sometimes you don't know what your calling is, but having the confidence to step out and really have a crack, it, it's super important. And I guess for me, I mean, from, from the age of six years old, I started my first business when I was six. I went to a little school called Sunshine Beach State High School um, up at Sunshine Beach where I grew up, up in sunny Queensland in Noosa Heads. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't too far into my you know first year of schooling that I started to, you know, we used to get these 30 centimetre timber rulers, right? And you, you chop them in half. And my dad's a builder, so I had access to tools and stuff, right? Uh, as a six-year-old. <laughs> I used to get his belt sander, uh, put it in the vise, wind the vise up, put it upside down and I'd take these 30 centimetre rulers and I'd, I'd, I'd sort of, I'd um, shape them into surfboards. And then at school, what I'd, then I'd sort of get wet and dry and you know, sandpaper, right, sandpaper right down so it's nice and smooth, bit of rocker in it. Like I'd make these epic little timber surfboards and then I'd put two bits of blue tack, blue tack on them. And um, you know, you'd get your book at school and you'd fold the book over and you'd, I'd surf the, the book. Now, because I was at Sunshine Beach and we were like a surfing school, we are right near the coast, we're a surfing town, Noose is a, it's, it's quite famous for its surfing and whatnot, everyone wanted one. So I thought, okay, you know what, mum didn't give me tuck shop money. So I never got, well, mum will listen to this and go, you liar. <laughs> I very rarely got tuck shop money. I was a very healthy fruit and sort of sandwich, vegetables type uh, type kid at school. And a lot of my friends would get, they get the junk food. Uh, not all the time, but I very rarely got it, which of course meant that I wanted it as a six-year-old, right? So I stood at the end of the tuck shop line or as, as you know, the tuck shops here, the lines here, I'd stand sort of midway to the tuck shop line. So it was kind of in, inconspicuous to the tuck shop ladies that I was taking the money off the kids and I, I'd sell them these surfboards for whatever I could get. 
<laughs> it wasn't a it wasn't a set price. It was whatever I could swindle out of the person um, that I thought was a fair deal. I wasn't trying to take all the money. I was trying to get a fair deal. And my parents got a call up to uh, go to the. My mum actually got a call up to go to the principal's office, um, and they discussed. It and I believe my mum was pretty pretty straightforward in the sense that she was, um, you know, he's not in trouble here, is he? This is good, not bad. So mum supported me. Mum sort of had my back. She, she knew where I was at. She knew where I was coming from. She could see that there was something special there. I don't know if she could see it from a younger age or not, but she was certainly willing to support the, the fact that I had done that. So that was my first foray into relationships with people to help them to invest in something that I had. So basically taking uh, a transaction using uh, a form of currency, i.e. you know, money, to help me to get what I wanted. And that was my first sort of jump into that. And that wasn't spawned from me going, I'm a businessman, I'm an entrepreneur, I want to I wanna start a business. That was spawned simply from, I don't have tuck shop money, I want tuck shop money. <laughs> So how can I get it? it? It was simply a matter of necessity there. Then I went into things like uh, I did chocolate-coated snakes. I'd take the jelly snakes and I'd cho- coat them in chocolate. I- I'd put them in the fridge. They'd go hard and I'd, I'd you know, do them individually. I was doing, I don't know, started selling them at the rugby club. And then at stores across town, you know, um, was it the, the Shell service stations and the Top Shop at Sunshine Beach, a number of different places like that. And I was pretty well known for my chocolate-coated snakes. At that stage, I think I was about eight because I started playing rugby at seven. And I had lots of people saying to me, God, you know, remember me when, remember me when, you, when you're a millionaire. And I didn't really, like that for me at eight years old, I didn't really know what that meant. I was like, Could, do you want to buy some snakes? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't about you know going out and being a multimillionaire. It wasn't about even running a business. It was about the conversation that I had with my mum. Mum sort of said, "Look, I said, look, I want a drum kit." And my mum and dad, they, they, dad runs a business. Mum runs a business with dad. You know, they, they've they've been very successful. Um, and I wasn't given all the things that my other wealthier kids were. I want to say, well, I mean, when I was that young, it wasn't like we were super rich or anything. But we we never sort of went without. Um, we weren't, you know. We weren't mega rich by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, like I say, we, we did live in a nice house. We did have the odd holiday. We did live pretty comfortably looking back on it. Um, yeah, so like I, I'd seen, you know, I'd seen other people sort of ask for something and then they'd, they'd, all they'd have to do is wait for a birthday or wait for Christmas and they would get what they'd ask for. Is with me, my parents always sort of instilled that you couldn't just have it because you asked for it, even if they had the means. Now I asked for a drum kit. And my parents said, well, you get a job. You got to buy it. You got to buy it. And I said, well, how do, you know, <laughs> how do I buy that? It's a, it's a, it was a Pearl Forum in black. There was one in the country. And I had, to get it, I had to get a deposit down quickly to buy it, to get it shipped to me within, uh, I don't know, I can't remember exactly. But I remember it was a black Pearl Forum. I was having drum lessons at the time. And um, yeah, I, I, needed a, I needed $999. That's how much the drum kit was. All right, straight out of the box. And um, I'm like, I'm eight I was seven or eight. I, I was actually at that stage working in a bait and tackle store for about two dollars an hour on the weekends. So I had, I was working, but it was very easy for me to realise that it wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> I'd be working forever to get my thousand uh, dollars based on working Saturday, Sunday, and this is when I was going to school. Don't forget that I didn't work both days most weekends. I'd usually go fishing one day, work the other. That was typically how I do it: packing bait, that sort of thing. When I was a youngster, but um, they. Mum said to me, and this, it was mum that, mum that brought this up, she said, why don't you start a business? Well, what's a business? What does that mean? She said, well, you got to provide something to people that they want. Give something to people that they want, and they'll give you money for it. I'm like, that sounds better. So mum actually gave me the idea of a chocolate coat of snakes. I can't remember exactly where she got it from. 
um, but it was her idea and I started doing that and I started selling them at the rugby club and as I said it, we expanded into stores and whatnot and it was at that stage that I started to really enjoy it it was the communication that I had um, by talking to adults you know you've got an eight-year-old walking along with a box like backpack on with a you know 500 chocolate snakes at 10 cents each in his backpack <laughs> and um, you know I'm, I'm I'm, I'm hustling. I'm out there with a the, with the box in my hand, literally in my hand, with the snakes on display, with a little bum bag with a kitty, with my change and whatnot. Um, and I'm going up to adults that are drinking beer on, on a Friday afternoon, socialising after rugby practice, after their hard day at work, whatever it may be. And I was asking them to buy my product. And looking back on that, that was kind of my university beginning as far as, you know, being an entrepreneur, being in business. And, and it taught me a huge amount. And I, I didn't really realize how much I was learning at that stage because what it was teaching was communication from a very, very young age, how to communicate with people, how to get them to believe in what you're doing and, and, and sort of think the way you're thinking to achieve a goal. My goal was a drum kit. That's all I wanted was a drum kit. Now, the business did very well. Uh, as an eight-year-old, I think I was pulling in something like $250 a week, um, which is 2,500 snakes at my peak. So that was when I was um, across a number of stores. I had a lot of local, like um, like there was a dude, I can't remember his name, but he had, a, he had a crew of about 40, 50 guys. I think he was a roofer or something. And he put an order in for 300 snakes every week. So bam, instantly, there's a nice big order. And I had numerous others at around 100, 150, 200. So I'd sold $100 worth of snakes as pre-order before I even got there, before I had to start hustling. On, on home games, I'd sell a lot more. After I'd play rugby, I'd be around selling snakes to everybody. And it was... It was sort of, I stopped doing that for a little while because I bought my drum kit and I just want to play drums and play rugby and go surfing. That was my life. That, you know, I wasn't there to knock it out of the park and continue to grow that business. But every time I ever needed anything, I went back to it. You know, when I was 15, 16, 12, 14, you know, I, I went, after the drum kit, I bought a boat. After the boat, I wanted a bigger boat or, sorry, a bigger engine. So I bought a bigger engine. Always going back to the chocolate-coated snakes, always going back to that entrepreneurial spirit. Now, I also had other things, like I built skateboards. Strictly Old School was a brand that I set up. Didn't sell a single skateboard, but again, my mind was working through the marketing plans, the business plans, and the structures. Now, the thing is, is that I had people, when they met me, when I was selling my chocolate-coated snakes, as a teenager or a young guy, heaving praise on me, suggesting that I was going to be great, suggesting I was really going places and how, how great it was that there was a young guy doing this. But at school level... At school level, I was, I was flunking hard. I mean, I wasn't interested in school. I mean, I, I was interested in school. I mean, there was, you know, there was, as a teenager, I'm talking, you know, there was girls. I liked girls. Um, there was building. I liked building. So I was building construction. That was a, a class that I excelled at. There was parties. I was there for the socializing. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. My, my grades were C and Ds. All right. For example, English, um, a subject that did my head in. <laughs> the written stuff, I'd, I'd usually fail. I'd leave to the last minute, of course, and it would suck. But I'd always pull it back by getting an A plus in the in the in the spoken stuff, in the presenting, in in the um, in the talking. Um, in the in that's an oral assessment, so they would call it. So yeah, that that was sort of how I went through school. Uh, I, I was going to leave at the end of grade 10 doing an apprenticeship with my dad, but my, one of my, um, my, my first mentor, next door neighbor, um, one of dad's business partners actually in a different business, he, he, um, he suggested maybe I could do a little bit more than just you know, take over dad's company. And from there, I, I decided to go on to complete schooling. I knew that I was never gonna go to university though. I didn't have the grades for it. I had no interest in it and I knew that I was gonna be in business and, and doing my own thing. But the differentiation, and this is what I'm getting at here. So when I was at school, and when I was speaking to my teachers, I was the class clown. 
I was never really too disrespectful. I was never too much of a pain in the backside. I was, I was never mean. I was never a bully. I was well liked with my peers. I was, a, I, I did a rousing speech to be school captain. Didn't get it, rigged. <laughs> but I was my, uh, I was the school. Uh, sorry, I was my um, sports captain. Uh, I was the male sports captain for Uluwatu, uh, my, my sports team. And I was, I was good with sports. I was never the best. I was a good swimmer. I was an age champion in swimming. Um, but I was never a superstar. So at school, you kind of got your grades or you got your sport. I didn't have either. I was decent at sport, rugby, swimming, like pretty much any sport I could kind of play all right as a, at a participation level. But I was never the star. And I was never, you know, the best at school. When I was at school, though, because I had the admiration of my peers and I, I, I was good to people... I found school pretty easy. The teachers didn't dislike me. They'd be like, yes, he's disruptive. Yes, he's a class clown, but he's, he's not a bad student. He's not, he's not a bad kid. And the funny thing is, though, is that if like some, some parents or some people would look at my grades and go, oh, geez, that, that Craig Cobb guy, he ain't no good. But I was doing other things. And I think this is, the sort of, this is a really important part of this, is that people don't see who you are unless you let them. You know, I opened up at a young age because I must have just been my person. I don't know. Maybe it's just who I am. I, I guess it is. But they got to see who I was outside of school. They got to see me creating a different, a different version of me. Now, when you're young, it's typically school and sport. That's all you got. That's what you are. That's who you are. That's who. That's what you're defined by. How was he doing in school? Sport. How well is he doing in school? They're the two things. You can open up a third dimension. This goes not just with school, but in life as well. You know, at the moment, like if you're an adult with kids or something, for example, how's work going? How's his career? And how's the family? If you're single, how's work? And does he have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever? These are typically the way that society sees us. You can carve out whatever else you want. Don't just be perceived by what people see. And what what they are, what you're showing them is so important. Now you don't have to, I'm not saying you have to go out there and have a public profile like myself and, and, and do that sort of stuff. I'm just saying that there's more if you choose for there to be more. People could see different sides of me because I presented it to them. I needed to for me to sell my chocolate-coated snakes and for me to do my various little activities that I was doing, hustling and making money. Find something that suits you. Find something that you're passionate about and do it because you're the only person that can do that. It, it, it's, it's dead set true. School doesn't define you. Your grades don't define you. As a matter of fact, I got an overall position or an OP score of 21. Now, to give you some perspective there, number one's the best. Number 25 is the worst. I was not a scholastic person. I never let it worry me, though. I saw my fellow students worrying, freaking, oh, my God, I didn't get an OP8, so I can't get to this school or this university. It never phased me, never worried me. I never worried about it. Because I knew where I was going from a very young age. Now, if you don't know where you're going now, I suggest you do some soul searching. Find out where you're going to go. Because you might be successful in your career. You might be doing very well. <laughs> you might be the perception of success. But if you don't feel it, if you don't feel it, then how successful are you? Success is by, defined by you. If you're trying to go through life trying to make other people happy, you're going to struggle. I never, I've never done that. I've never gone through life trying to make other people happy. I've been me and I've been unapologetic, but I live my life doing whatever I want to do without stepping on anyone else's toes. That's my philosophy. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, but not religious. So this today, me talking about this is opening up to you, letting you know a little, little bit more about me. 
it's kind of um, pretty personal, but um, I wanted to do that so you could get to know who the real Craig Cobb is. Not Trader Cobb, uh, but Craig Cobb, the man who is Trader Cobb, essentially. I want you to know who that is. I want you to know my story, because if it helps you guys, anybody, A, to just have a listen while you're bored. <laughs> That's one thing. Hi, you, you now know who I am or where I've been uh, a little bit more. But more so, it's the it's. I'm hoping that for some of you, that might be in a bit of a, a bit of a rut or a bit of a spot in life where you're a bit unsure or you know you've had the conversation with yourself where you, you might know what you want to do but you're not doing it i want to help you to sort of understand that you can do it it's there no one can stop you if you want to achieve it and, and don't worry about the perception of others now if trading's your thing and you want to be a successful trader then i can't i can't make you a successful trader i can give you the tools it's up to you and if you want to take action then do it today you know jump in jump on the website and you can see what's there but it's not about me telling you to trade it's it's really about me sort of giving to you guys because you've given so much to me writing the reviews on the podcast giving me the star ratings i mean you've put us up in the i don't know where we are now we've, we've cracked the top 10 in the u.s in investing we've been in the top 10 in australian business like it's it's phenomenal and um you know we've got a thriving little business and an amazing community that's growing here and it's all born from me trying to help people um it's starting with helping you in trading but as i as I sort of fill out this role as Trader Cobb and grow this podcast and hear the feedback and see what you guys are saying and asking for, um, I'm noticing that it's this may actually become more than just Trader Cobb, uh, and I'm hoping that it does. And today is really just me sort of saying thank you and giving something back and introducing myself to you in a little bit more detail, guys. So, yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed it and um, it helps. Uh, you can do anything. You just got to put your mind to it. So you know, I know you've heard it before. But I, I'm, I'm a believer in that. You know, I've had crappy grades. There's no reason scholastically why I should be doing as well as I'm doing. Um, but there is one thing. I've worked hard and I've been kind. And I'll continue to do the same two things and uh, hopefully help you guys out along the way. So have a fantastic day, week, month. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Check out TraderCobb.com because experience matters.